Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Last month, financial markets saw some seasonal weakness. And that's as we saw reports of a so-called meltdown of the Chinese economy with back-to-back reports of disappointing economic data. So how exactly did regional markets perform last month with this backdrop? But while many were focused on the disappointing data out of the world's second largest economy, the key highlight last month may have been the return of the bond vigilance and the increase in long-term U.S. Treasury yields. So to find out what led to the return of the bond market, as well as to help us break down what could help shape financial markets for the rest of the year, joining us on the phone today to tell us more is Laurent Lecou, who is the head of portfolio management and research at Lumen Capital Investors. Laurent, welcome back to the show. Uh, good afternoon, Long Bin. Great to be back on the show. Good afternoon to you too, Laurent. You know, it looks like the month of August witnessed the seasonal weakness in financial markets. What led to that? How did markets perform? Well, August is typically a weak month in financial markets. A lot of investors are on holiday in the U.S. But clearly, last month we also kind of digest the earnings season for the second quarter and uh, the year high that we reach. Uh, late July. So we had to deal with weak economic data from China as well as the increase in Mm -hmm. U.S. Treasury along the curve. Mm, Okay, okay. I mean, you've talked about the weakening in China's economy. It is the most significant news in several weeks that we saw surrounding the so-called meltdown of the Chinese economy with the consistently disappointing economic data out of the country. Lorong, is China really melting down? Well, the economy has been showing signs of weakness since mm-hmm. the reopening. The government didn't really implement the stimulus uh, everyone was expecting. Mm. And then we had the worsening of the situation in the property uh, developer right. market. So clearly all this put pressure on the Chinese economy. Mm. However, if, if we look at some indicators like oil price, copper price, they have well rebounded since their low reach in June. So since China is a major imp- Importer of commodities, maybe the situation is not as bad as everyone wants to say. Mm, I see, I see. Then, Laurent, how can China export its way out of this crisis then? Well, clearly China is in a difficult situation, mm-hmm. right? Because the government doesn't want to build bridges to nowhere anymore. The consumer is under stress. So the only way out of this crisis is kind of exporting uh, its way out of this uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. So it, it requires weakening yuan. So it's likely that the PBOC is looking for orderly uh, devaluation of the yuan because over the past 12 months, in fact, the Asian currency has depreciated more than the yuan against the U.S. dollar. So clearly, uh, China is looking to stimulate export uh, to its BRICS partners, also ASEAN neighboring countries, mm-hmm. where he can uh, capitalize on the geopolitical influence. Mm, okay, okay. But you know, while attention has been largely on the world's second largest economy, it looks like the actual highlight have to be the return of the bond vigilantes and the increase in long-term U.S. Treasury yields. Lauren, how did bonds perform last month and what led to the increase in these U.S. Treasury yields? 
Yeah, so I think the big news of the summer, in fact, is the rise in U.S. government yields, mm-hmm. especially at the long end of the curve. So, I mean, the government bond market has been in a bear market for two years. And the primary cause here is not necessarily that we have seen stronger than expected economic data from the U.S., but mostly the worry that investors in the fixed income have about rising deficit in the U.S. So we are kind of in a situation that's what we call in economy fiscal dominance Mm -hmm. is when the country's national debt becomes so large that it cannot be repaid to tax revenue so it means that the central bank is kind of losing its independence and I think that's what a lot of investors start to be worried for the U.S. Mm, okay, okay. At the same time, though, we're seeing kind of a divergence between equity markets and real yields since last April. Why is that? Last time we talked, we discussed the fiscal stimulus implemented by the U.S. government. So this continue and this has, in fact, accelerated since April and the Silicon Valley Bank failure. So we have a government that tries to avoid recession and on the other hand clearly investors are losing confidence in public institutions to address the inflation issue so they are looking for more stability in the equity market and in the large caps. Okay, I see, I see. And focusing in on equities, Lauren, it looks like the initial effects of a strong U.S. dollar is kind of indirectly materializing through volatility, which is historically linked to a market derating. Yet it seems like the stronger USD has typically propelled U.S. equities to outperform global peers with the resurgence of the greenback in recent days. Lauren, how are U.S. stocks faring compared to Asian markets? Well, again, I think that here, historically, a stronger dollar has been uh, favorable for U.S. assets. So since investors are not really favoring fixed income assets, they are looking at uh, equities as the best hedge to a stickier for longer inflation. So I think that we will continue to see U.S. equities outperforming most of Asian markets. Inside Asia, India is expected to do very well and could perform in peers to the U.S. peace. Well, then some analysts are also, you know, they've cut the possibility of a U.S. recession. What's your outlook on this? Can we see a recession at the end of this year or no? Well, I don't think so. I think the U.S. government will continue to push on the accelerator of the economy with fiscal stimulus mm-hmm. and delay the recession after the U.S. presidential election mm. in November next year. So it's clearly uh, focusing more and more on U.S. reshoring and infrastructure-related investments. So this is where investors should look in terms of investment for the next few months. Okay, so given all of this backdrop, how will the current economic conditions you know, continue to shape the performance of financial assets beyond the end of this year? I mean, what lies ahead for financial markets, Laurent? Well, I think there's an increasing volatility ahead. Uh, last mm-hmm. time we, we talked, I uh, discussed about that, the, the U.S. government push on the accelerator with right. fiscal stimulus, the Fed push on the brake by raising rates. So clearly you are in a situation where volatility is back. On the other hand, over the past few weeks, we have seen a sharp rebound in the oil price. Mm. So all this clearly uh, is... Uh, set to, to increase the volatility in financial markets and also 
I think that we will see a kind of re-rotation from the defensive sector into mm-hmm. the cyclical sector. Okay, okay. Then with that, what kind of investment strategies can investors take note of for the rest of the year to you know, mitigate through the volatility that you've mentioned? Well, I always kind of answer this question the same way. Don't be a Evo. It's not the time to be a Evo in financial market. It's time to be well diversified across mm-hmm. asset classes and to focus uh, on companies that have strong low leverage balance sheet and which are capable of growing earnings and generating free cash flow that updates inflation regardless of any economic condition. So these are clearly the winners in this environment. Okay, okay. And before we let you go here, what else should investors be looking out for that could influence financial markets in the coming weeks, Laurel? Well, the focus will still be on the bond market. Uh, I think that outside the U.S. bond market, focus has also to be on the Japanese bond market. Over the weekend, the BOJ has mentioned that it expected to tweak once again its yield curve control policy in uh, September and potentially exit the negative interest rate policy before Christmas. So this will put uh, further pressure on the U.S. 10-year yield. I think that it might climb by 5 to 5% uh, by Christmas. I see, I see. Well, thank you so much, Laurent, for your time and your insights today, as always. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. We've been speaking with Laurent Lecou, who's the head of portfolio management and research at Lumen Capital Investors. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.